Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ed. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. All right, Fred, we're back with another Q&A roulette. That's right. We're going to spin the big wheel and answer some of the top questions you have. Well, yes. But they're not my questions. They're your questions. <laughs> yeah, the audience has. Yes. Oh, right. You're you, them, they. <laughs> the people listening. All right. Let's do it. Let's spin the wheel. All right, Freddie, first question. Should you plan out your videos? Yeah, planning your content is very important, and there are two aspects to that. One is planning around your format, and one is planning around your programming. So when it comes to format, we're talking about the structure of your videos. You want to basically have a clear plan about how each video is structured, You know what the start, the middle, and the end is going to be, what the journey you're taking um, the viewer on is going to be, um, and what kind of segments you have. They're very important for longevity and consistency. Um, two, around programming, you want to plan out what type of content you're going to make. Is it trending content? Is it going to be evergreen content? Um, what particular things are important to my audience that's very searchable? Uh, what kind of things are they going to watch consistently? And you're going to have a mix of those things. Now, that would in itself be an entire episode, but what I'm really trying to get at here is be more thoughtful rather than being ad hoc and responsive. That is a core element of longevity of a channel. Yeah, 100%. And you know, there's the I guess there's the balance, right, though, that between being overly planned and strict in your planning, but also being responsive to what's working both for you, but also for your audience. So having some level of flexibility within your plan, within your structure, to be able to experiment, be able to respond to changes in what you like, but also what your audience like. I think that's a it, it is a fine it's a, a fine balance, but it is definitely more in the planning than uh, chaos buckets. What should my first source of revenue be on YouTube? Good question. Well, if we're talking first source of revenue as a YouTube creator, it's more than likely going to be YouTube ads, right? Revenue from YouTube ads, it's going to be the first one that's available to you. Once you grow, you don't need a lot of subscribers or views, but it's probably going to be peanuts. You may be able to buy a cheeseburger once a month off it as you get started, but that's probably about it. If we're talking your first valuable source of revenue as a YouTube creator, that's when you're talking uh, brand deals, brand partnerships, as well as the holy grail of them all is developing your own product. Obviously, uh, you need more influence, more reach, more engagement with your audience, and these are harder things to do. But the value, the return, the revenue is much, much greater. So that's always something to keep your eye on. First one out of the box, it's nice. Bit of ad revenue, and it's nice to have, but the value is definitely down the chain when you, you need to put a bit more effort in, a bit more work, and develop something unique that people are going to want to transact with you on. Yeah, and we always phrase it like, you know, look at it in terms of phases, right? So when you first start off in your first phase, you want easy um, sources of revenue you don't have to put a lot of evidence into things like youtube ad revenue are, you know pretty straightforward they happen but like i said there's a lot of it and then as you start to grow you're going to look at more um, comprehensive elements to it such as you know brand deals which does require more effort and commitment from you um yeah but they are still you know, relatively flexible especially with your um you know uh, an emerging um, channel and then, you know, at level three, you are going to look at more intensive elements where you're going to put a lot more effort into it, but you've grown a big audience, they're engaged by that point, and you can really leverage that. And that's going to be things like, you know, IP and building your own products and um, those aspects there where you can create something that lives past your content. And that's where I think there's a, a ton of value. Preach. 
All right, let's spin that wheel. Mm, I like this one. Does your channel name make a difference? Yeah, look, it does make a difference in a couple of ways. Um, obviously, it's something that stands out. It's always there when people look at a video. They'll always be able to see what your channel name is. And like it or not, they're going to have some association with that. So, you know, if it's really complicated or difficult to say, it's a series of letters and numbers together that don't make any sense, that's going to be problematic. Um, or if it doesn't represent your content, that's also going to create, you know, maybe a disconnect. Um, then it can also be very, very generic, for example, uh, in which case then that also causes a problem. So, yeah, I think a channel name is important because it creates an association. So what I would always do is think, you know, carefully about what a channel name is, what would it be, what would be an attractive channel name, and how does it represent the brand you want to create? And that's probably a good starting point. I'm just thinking about this uh, while you're talking, Fred. Yeah. And um, another, another example you're going to give. Do you, do you remember the, the chat we had with Chopper, Cakes by Chopper? Yes, I do. Oh, I, I, I don't know if I should drop it in this episode. I think let Chopper tell the story. We'll like maybe drop a show link. But Chopper was going to be doing a very horrific um, channel name. And I, I, he won't mind us telling it. But just think as crass as you could possibly think for a baking channel. And that's probably what it is. Now it's called Cakes by Chopper. Um, luckily, he got pulled up by a fellow creator and said, hey, man, you don't want to do that. Um, but on the flip side, look, we have seen some like completely unrelated channel names and it's not a big issue i mean i think people sort of over complicated or overthink it but at least put some thought to it uh, i think that's uh, and yeah check out what chopper was going to call his channel um brilliant brilliantly bad mm. let's spin that up when should i go full-time on youtube <laughs> oh, i don't want to give life advice to someone on their financial requirements look <laughs> scary it really scares me the responsibility i'm surely of that um yep it's uh tricky to answer that one as a blanket answer but everyone has different circumstances so once you find it's it feels like it's right for you and it's sustainable for you to take that leap that's when you you can go there and um that's going to be different for everyone right like one thing i would really encourage people to look at before they take the leap to go full-time as a, as a creator is make sure you've got a bit of a diversified revenue stream. So if you're just relying on YouTube ad revenue and you want to go full-time and sort of cut the cord to potentially part-time or full-time work that's stable, I would really suggest uh, looking for other revenue streams as a creator, whether that's brand deals or your own products. That way you're not solely reliant on your YouTube ad revenue, which could come or go. It could you know, that depends on views. It depends on ad rates that are out of your hands. And don't forget, Adpocalypse was real. And there is, you know, reason why something like that couldn't happen again. So build yourself a bit of a safety net before you take that leap and, and really consider about having a, a diversified revenue stream. <laughs> I reckon this one's two parts. Like, how do I improve my view velocity? But I think... Maybe we should answer, what is view velocity? And then how do I improve it? So basically, view velocity is the uh, velocity of viewership you get when you first or initially launch your videos. The reason why it's considered important is that often, you know, that first period, 24 hours, 48 hours, first week or so, um, it's a pretty decent indicator. If it does well there, the video is going to do pretty okay. Um, so you'd want to make sure that your launch is as strong as possible. 
um, and it's getting out to the right people. So what you basically want to do when you launch a video is try and support the launch as much as possible. And that means is promote it as much as possible to the right audience. And the right audience is your audience who will like that video. You just don't want to send it to everyone you know. You want to send it to as many of the right people as possible. That could be through using other socials. It could be through using your community tab if that's open to you, for example, um, using a live event to promote it from there. There are all sorts of ways you can do it, but you want to get in front of the right people because the more of the right people who watch it, the more likely it is to register um, more watch time, uh, more retention. The YouTube system would better understand who it's for and so it out to hopefully more of those people who in turn will watch more of the video and it'll go from there. So that's why you want your view velocity to be strong. Um, like I said, if you target it, you're going to often have a better result um, and that's what you want to try and focus on. Can I ask a follow-up question, Freddie? With YouTube being the land of evergreen content and you know old videos and the library being valuable, why is it that view velocity upon, like the, the launch view velocity, why is that valuable why is like yeah why is that important that is a good question right and there are different ways like there's a couple of elements to that one is like you know um like if it is evergreen that means the content will be there it'll always be there and it potentially can always do well um what you want to do though is give your videos the best chance possible when they start and get in front of the right people so obviously when a youtube video goes live on youtube youtube does a couple of little tests to see where it's going to be watched um but it's not going to go over the top this is just my opinion it's not going to you know serve to everybody on the platform you know it's got you know hundreds of thousands of videos to consider, so it's only going to do a certain amount of guesswork to try and figure out who the audience is for it. So if you can't figure that out very well, it's probably not going to serve it that well. Um, but if it understands, I, I guess, who the video is for and what audience likes it, it's going to find it easy to put in front of people. So that's why it gives it the best chance possible, where you could have had a really good video but just not got in front of the right people. You know, you've got um, you know a terrible thumbnail or title, for example, which can lead to problems later down the track. So you're basically giving your video the best chance possible to succeed. That's effectively what you're doing. Um, so yes, that initial period is good, and then that evergreen aspect of YouTube will help get a serve continuously over time, hopefully if that video is always sort of you know, topical or is always evergreen. Nice. Cool. That's it. That's what we've got time for. Can you believe it? Fred, I feel like you, you did the heavy lifting on this one, so thank you. <laughs> no worries, mate. Um, yeah, we will uh, catch you next week. See ya, bye. See ya. Create a generation on the mic.